good morning, everybody. Uh, how are we doing? Welcome online. I know we're a little earlier. Uh, I guess our worship was just a little shorter today. We still have five songs, but anyway, here we are. Um, but just give me a little more time to teach. So, uh, so sorry about that. Anyway, a couple of announcements we get started this morning. First of all, everything is still on schedule for this uh, this week. We have our Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock on A Better Way to Pray. And then Saturday nights at 7.30 in Pasadena on Spirit, Soul, and Body. And so we welcome you, if you're local, to join any of those Bible studies. We still have our free online Bible classes uh, available on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org. Uh, we invite you to free. You just have to register. That's free. And then... Uh, we encourage you just to go at your own pace, but we encourage you to be faithful for your own benefit to just get into the Word of God and get some good study and get, get the Word of God's Word. Uh, I do want to uh, draw your attention uh, on February 29th. Yes, this is leap year, February 29th, uh, on Saturday. So there's five Saturdays in February. Uh, we On the last Saturday of February, we were going to show the movie God With Us right here on the on the big screen and uh, whatnot, so it'll be a good night. We'll have some snacks and some good fellowship with that. But a powerful movie put on by Karis Bible College, uh, theatrical uh, production, uh, and it just is powerful. So um, feel free to, if you're local again, to join us on uh, February the 29th. That will be at 7 p.m. I don't think I announced the time, but anyway, 7 p.m. We'll be talking more about it as we get closer to that. Uh, I don't think there's any other announcements I have at this point, uh, uh, so we'll just, without further ado, we'll just go ahead and get into the message this morning. So again, welcome, uh, and I'm excited about this. Starting today, I'm going to start teaching on being established in righteousness, and this is my favorite, most favorite topic to talk about, uh, and I'll just give you a little uh, uh, short introduction to that. You know, I, get a, I grew up in a good Christian home. I get a, grew up in church all my life. Um, and, uh, but it wasn't, it, it was around the year uh, 2009-ish. But in that time we were actually, uh, there's two times we uh, kind of planted a church that we didn't plan on planting. <laughs> and we were uh, planting a church in our home in Kaipa. Uh, we were joining with another pastor uh, who was kind of the, the lead pastor. But long story short, got, we got into some teaching that, uh, we didn't agree with, and uh, uh, I'm not trying to speak negative of anybody, but anyway, we, we, we split ways, long story short. At that time, I was introduced to Andrew Womack. Uh, to, he, gave me, uh, he had given me two books, uh, uh, Better Way to Pray, which was studying on Sunday night, and also um, uh, Believe in Authority. And so anyway, long story short, uh, Dad uh, also introduced me to Joseph Prince, and uh, just began to revolutionize my thinking. It had nothing to do with what he had been teaching, but at the same point in time, uh, it, it, it did get me on a new path. And I remember that season, I, I, I uh, went back to the Word of God. We had, uh, and uh, I was just studying, and uh, kind of studying what do I believe and why do I believe it. That was kind of my, the, the, the motive of my study. And in that process, and long story short, uh, I came um, is revelation of righteousness. Now, the way I always understood it, and I don't know if it's because how I was taught or just how I re I perceived it. So I'm not here. I'm not here blaming anything. But the way I was taught, the way I felt I was taught, the way I believed it, the way the way I I processed 
at the subject of righteousness when I always thought it was right doing, meaning the verb. And then I discovered in my own study during that season that the word is used over 512 times. So uh, the the word righteousness is used, also translated as justified, and and some other uh, uh, interpretations of that, or translations of that, that word, but it's a, it's, it's a noun, it's not a verb. It describes who we are in Christ, it doesn't describe what we do. At the same point in time, because we are righteous, we live like it. We live like who we are. We awake to righteousness and we sin not. We don't sin not to become righteous. If we could sin not to become, become righteous, we don't need Jesus. And that's wrong. That's antichrist. Uh, that's against or instead of Christ, what the word anachristo means in the Greek. So, I, anyway, I began to understand that righteousness was who I am. And righteousness has to do with my identity. And righteousness has to do with my foundation. And as I begin to study righteousness, you know, the grace of God teaches us to deny ungodliness. The grace of God doesn't teach you to do, that you can do anything you want. No, it teaches who you are. So from that foundation of your identity of who you are, you begin to live different. You begin to live like who you are, righteous. You begin to live righteously, a verb form of, 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 the, of, of the word righteous. We live righteous because we are. We don't live righteous to become righteous. No, that's antichrist. We live righteous because we are righteous. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteous of God in him. We're not righteous outside of him. We're righteous in him. That makes sense? We just finished our study last week. Ten weeks we spent on this about in Christ's realities. There's over 300 scriptures talking about who we are in Christ. And one of those scriptures among 300 is over 300 scriptures is that we are righteous. And we're righteous because what he did. We just finished last week that uh, Christ has become for us uh, wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Christ has become for us righteousness. Anyway, uh, my heart, and one of the key words that I use in a lot of my studies, I want us not just to notice, but I want us to be established in righteousness. We'll eventually get to a verse that, that, that talks about that more specifically. So uh, I've, I've done this study, and I, during that season when I began to get the revelation of righteousness, it was so uh, revolutionary to me. It was so transforming for me. I had two file cabinets of so four drawers each, so eight drawers of file, file, file drawers, a bunch of notes of mine. I had boxes and boxes of, of tapes, uh, cassette tapes back in the day when they had those. Uh, but I had cassette tapes of all the messages I, I preached and taught. And I, I was so revolutionized by, by the revelation of righteousness that I threw all my notes, except for one little folder of a few things, and, uh, and uh, all my teaching tapes, and I threw them away. I just realized I was preaching the wrong message because I was believing the wrong message. My heart was to see lives change. My heart was to see lives transform. But I always was, I was, I felt I was preaching a message that was trying to get people, get people to do right, to be, become right. But no, we have to believe right so we can do right. And so we need to have a foundation of uh, who and righteousness. We don't live righteously to become saved. We, we become saved, we become righteous, and we live righteously. You can't, the root comes before the fruit. You don't have the fruit before the root. 
That makes sense? It comes from a seed. And we are born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed, by the word of God. And so, hopefully I'm making sense as I just said in my introduction, of my introduction, uh, because really this first, uh, uh, I don't remember I'll finish what I have prepared for today, but I, I will be at least about two weeks just to get to my introduction, uh, which is kind of my lesson one. Anyway, I'm getting a little ahead of myself here in my, in my thoughts. When I got this revelation of righteousness, not only did I throw my notes away, but in the time we uh, we were uh, we were out of ministry <coughs> and among uh, other uh, financial challenges we were having at the time, and I remember I told the Lord, Lord, if you will help me get back into the ministry, I will preach on righteousness. I will teach righteousness. And so when we started our church, and that's a whole long story too, but in 2014 when we started this church a little over five years ago, <coughs> five years ago December is when we had our first service in this home. And uh, uh, for the first year or so, I preached on righteousness. And every message I've preached since then, every topic I've talked on since then, it has a thread of righteousness in there. Uh, I just... And righteousness is the foundation of the throne. And we're gonna we're gonna talk a lot about that as we get go further in our study. But it's a foundation, it's the elementary teachings, it's the it's a it's the first principles. Uh, and so so we're gonna we're gonna lay this foundation. My heart is that you become established in that. It's making sense so far? This is just kind of my my prelude, if you will, to uh, my introduction and then where we're gonna go and a little background. There's more to it and perhaps more will come out as we go forward. So my heart is that we are established on who we are in Christ. My heart is that we are established in righteousness. And righteousness is not what we do, it's who we are. But because we are righteous, we live righteous. We live righteously. Does that make sense? Okay, we don't, you, you don't live righteously to become righteous. No, you live righteously because you are. And uh, God, if there's any good in us, it's not because of what we've done. It's not about self-righteousness. The Bible calls self-righteousness like filthy rags. But we are righteous because of Jesus. We're righteous because of Christ. Any good thing that's in us is because of Jesus, not because we are. Nobody wants to be the best sinner in hell. Nobody wants that. We all, uh, we all are righteous. We are all are good. We are all sanctified. We are all redeemed because of Jesus. Okay. So with that in mind, with all that in mind, the, the, this first section of my message is, is, is uh, and we're talking about being established in righteousness, but I also have a subtitle for this first section, and I have six sections in, in this series, and the first section here is being established in the unity of the faith, being established in the unity of the faith, okay, that's my subtitle for this first section. Okay, so with that in mind, go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles, if you have them, to Isaiah chapter 52. And we'll begin with verse 7. Isaiah 52, verse 7. Isaiah 52, verse 7, and I'll be in the New King James to begin with. <coughs> it says, How... Beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. Good news. I'll come back to that. Who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, and who says or declares to Zion, 
your God reigns. There's a line just for a little passage of scripture. I'm going to break a, few, a little bit up for you. But it says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. The gospel is defined as good news. It's not bad news. And news, I mean, that, that's a, almost an oxymoron man, nowadays, and I'm not trying to be political over this, but news is not necessarily advice. News tells you what happened. That's the way it's supposed to be. But most news today is not even news. And, it's, uh, and so, again, I'm not trying to be political, but uh, uh, we just don't even listen to news anymore. I might read some of the headlines on some, with some things, but uh, uh, just news is not news anymore. But it's good news. It's good news about what Jesus did. It's not necessarily advice for you to do. But when you know what Jesus did, and you become born again because you believe that, then you will live righteously. You will live a good, holy life. That makes sense. But it's good news about what He did. And when you believe and receive what He did, it will transform your life. It will transform the way you think. It will transform the way you behave. It will transform your life. It will transform your marriage. It will transform your ministry. It will transform your home, your family. It will transform your finances. It will transform your health. It will transform everything. But it's good news. And how beautiful are the upon, upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings this good news. We'll come back to some of that a little bit later. And this good news that we are proclaiming, it proclaims two major things here that I want to highlight. It proclaims peace and it proclaims salvation. Now salvation, we've taught this many times, though in the Greek it's, it's, it's soteria, but in the Hebrew it's Yeshua. And, uh, and both have the same definition. They both mean, it's an all-inclusive word that means wholeness. It means healing. It means deliverance. It means prosperity. Not just financial, but it doesn't exclude finances. But it's just having a prosperous life. How many of you want to be prosperous in your health? How many of you want to be prosperous in your relationships? How many of you want to be prosperous in, with wisdom? How many of you want to be prosperous in your finances? How many want to be prosperous in the way you think, in your emotions? How many want to be prosperous in life? In favor with God and favor with man. It's prosperity. Salvation is not just going to heaven, but it's all, again, I'm not, not watering down heaven. Heaven is going to be a glorious time. And one of the glorious things about heaven is we're going to be face to face with Jesus. For eternity. There will be no sin. There will be no pain. There will be no sorrow in heaven. Sin will be dead. There won't be any sin. There won't be any corruption for all eternity. But there's also a life to live here. And God has given us abundant life. He's given us an everlasting life. And eternal life is not just going to heaven. Eternal life is having a relationship with Jesus. And you, we couldn't have a relationship with God because of sin. But he who knew no sin became sin that we could have a relationship with Jesus. And this good news that we are proclaiming as pastors and teachers and as able ministers, the church of Jesus Christ, to the world, to all who are here, because the Spirit of God is upon us and has anointed us to bring this good news. And this good news is that, that this good news proclaims peace. Are you experiencing turmoil in your life, in your emotions? Are you depressed? Are you discouraged? Have you, have you been a victim of different things? Uh, 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 is there peace?
there peace in your finances? Is there peace in your marriage? In your this gospel proclaims good news and proclaims peace to your life. It proclaims salvation. And it declares and it says to Zion, Zion, if you study it out, is the people of God. It's the city of God. It's the, it's the bride of God, Christ, which is us. It's the church of God. If you study it all out, it's you. It declares to Zion, your God reigns. Sin doesn't reign. Death doesn't reign. Sickness doesn't reign. Life doesn't reign. God reigns. And this gospel proclaims that. It brings good tidings. God says, of good things. It proclaims peace. When, I, when we get a call to go to the hospital or something tragic, or there's a conflict in a, in a home, in a marriage, or, or whatever the case may be, the first thing we do is we proclaim peace over the situation. We proclaim peace over all the emotions. Now, we you know, it's hard to reason with anybody. It's hard to talk to anybody and have an intelligent conversation if there's strife, and if there's anxiety, and if there's uh, confusion, and there's just anxiety. Because of the trauma, because of whatever's going on. The first thing I do is I say, peace. But I don't just stop with peace. I'm not trying to sugarcoat their problems. I want to proclaim salvation, wholeness, healing, prosperity, deliverance, if necessary. Whatever was needed to bring redemption to the situation, to bring sanctification the situation, to bring salvation to the situation. Does that make sense? We have the word of life. We have in Jesus Christ, in our salvation, in this good news, we have everything man is looking for. Everything man needs. The, word, the book of Haggai calls it that he's the desire of all nations. I don't care what generation you're talking about. I don't care what culture or people group you're talking about. I don't care what era or age you're talking about. Jesus, God, is the desire of all nations. And we have him. We are in him. And he is in us. God said, Jesus said to his disciples, it's your father's pleasures to give you the kingdom. That's good news. The gospel is good news. We're going to come back to this good news as we go forward. I just want, I just, again, this is just introductory. But let's go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. And as I go through the study this time, I want to take my time going through this. I, I, like I said, the first year I taught on righteousness, I, I kind of consolidated all my teachings from a year and put them into six major lessons. That's why I'm teaching. I don't know if we'll get over this in just six weeks. I don't think so. But uh, I want to take my time. Also, this, this, uh, these lessons are being recorded, and they're going to be archived in our, our Bible classes. So they're part of our Bible classes. So then as, as you register in part of our Bible classes, you will automatically be uh, uh, enrolled to, to, to look at these videos on our website. Um, hopefully that makes sense. But Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's not just any gospel. It's the gospel of Christ. That's key. I like to emphasize that. It, there's many 
so-and-so gospels that are not the gospel. Paul talks about that in another letter. But, it's a, but I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not embarrassed by it. I'm not timid by it. I'm not uh, going to be quiet about it. I'm here to proclaim the good news. I'm here to bring the good news. And I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it. It was the gospel of Christ is. It's not that it could be. It's not that it should be. It's not that it has the potential to be. The gospel of Christ is the power of God. It's the, it's the power by which God exists. It's the power by which you have been born into as you've been born of God, born again. <clears throat> There's so much I can expand on this, but, but we're in Romans chapter 1. It's the same power that raised Christ from the dead. It's the same, it, it, it's a miracle working power of God by which God exists, but the gospel is the power of God. To sound, and I love how the King James says it, versus the New King James where I'm in, but it's the power of God unto salvation. We just talked about salvation. Salvation is wholeness, healing, prosperity, deliverance, healing. <clears throat> the gospel is the power of God. If you need healing, if you need deliverance, if you need provision, whatever it might be, you just need a sanity in your mind, the gospel is the power of God to experience that. Not just talk about it, not just preach about it, but not just um, read about it, but to, to experience it in your life. Right now, wherever you may be. But the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation for everyone. Say everyone. Everyone. Who's everyone? Are you part of everyone? Am I part of everyone? Is anyone excluded when I say everyone? Okay, the gospel, this gospel, this power of God, this salvation is available to everyone. And here's the condition, who believes? And I love the King James when it talks about it. It says, who believeth? And anytime you see that if in the King James language, it means to believe and continue to believe. We're not just going to believe on Sunday. We're not just believing when we became born again, but salvation is today is the day of salvation. And we can experience salvation in our circumstances, in our body, in our finances, excuse me, in anything that we need wholeness, in anything that we need deliverance. The gospel of Christ is the power of God to experience that. It says for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Why did it say that? It was offered to the Jews first. It was offered to the second. That kind of besides the point, it's available to you. So if you are a Greek, Jew or a Greek, and there are no others, you're either a Jew or a Greek, it's available to you. Okay? Right, verse 17 is what I want to get to. For in it, what's it? What are we talking about? The gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. That's huge. When I read this a few years ago, back in 2009 to a, a little over 10 years ago, a decade ago, uh, I, this began to revolutionize my life. The gospel reveals the righteousness of God. This good news that we started talking about reveals the righteousness of God. So if I want to know what righteousness is, if I want to be established in righteousness, then I need to hear the gospel. 
because the gospel reveals it. And if the message I'm hearing that I think is gospel is not revealing the righteousness of God, it's not the gospel. That makes some sense. The gospel, righteousness, and we're going to get into it, talks about that I'm right with God. I'm in right relationship with God because of Jesus. And the gospel will reveal that. The gospel will reveal that you can be hit by your stripes. You are whole. The gospel reveals that your body can be healed, that your life can be whole, that your life can be healed, that your life can be prosperous, that your life can be delivered and have freedom because of the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation if you believe it. It's the righteousness of God by faith. We're going to get into that a little more deeper. But it says, we're in it, the righteous God is revealed from faith to faith. We'll get into that a little bit later in our study. As it is written, the just, the word just is the same word for righteous. It's the same Greek word. For the just or the righteous shall live by his faith. We're not putting our faith in what we do. We're putting our faith in the gospel of Christ that reveals the righteousness of God. I am the righteousness of God. I'm not trusting my righteousness. No, I'm trusting what the word of God says. And the word of God says I'm righteous because of what Jesus did. I believe it and therefore I have the power of God and I have the righteousness of God because I believe it. By whose authority? The word of God. Let God be true and every man a liar. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you believe. If it's not the word of God, then I'm going to go with God. That makes sense? And so, so there's a lot here. We're going to spend more time with this as we go forward. Um, I hope we're making sense so far. Let's go to Romans 5, 17. Romans 5, 17. For by one man's offense, Adam, death reigned through the one, much more, say much more, much more, those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ, excuse me. There's a lot here in this verse, and let me break some of this down for you. Because of what Adam did at the fall, death reigned. And death has reigned since Adam. From Adam to Jesus. Jesus is called the last Adam, or the second Adam. Okay? Jesus was born of a virgin. But how many of you know the male carries the seed, not the female? I'm not trying to be crude, but I'm just... It's just the birds and the bees. It's the basis of life. Okay? And so, Jesus was, Mary was conceived by the Holy Spirit. The male, the seed, comes from the male. So, we have all, naturally speaking, been born from Adam. But how many know that we who are Christ, we have been born again? We weren't born again into our mother's womb. We weren't born again in Adam's seed. We weren't born again of corruptible seed. We were born of an incorruptible seed by the Word of God. The Word of God is not the ink. The Word of God is a person, and His name is Jesus. 
And we were born again of Jesus. We were born again of the second Adam. Paul says this, and we'll get into this later, but 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 5, verse uh, 16, we know no man after the flesh. Why? He who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteous of God. Sin and flesh, Jesus crucified the flesh. I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. In the life I live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We're crucified with Christ. The flesh is dead. But let, let me get back to this. For if by the one man's offense, death reigned. That's where sickness comes from. Sick, God did not create sickness. God did not create disease. God did not create cancer. God did not create, uh, in a sense, God did not create man to die. Even the body is designed to heal itself. God, that's the way God designed it. But, but death reigned. Sickness is part of the curse. But Galatians 3.13 says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse. The curse of the law. That, that we, we, we were cursed. Death reigned. But through the one, Adam. But much more. That's key. As big as sickness, as big as sin has reigned. How many of you have seen sin reign in people's lives? Through addiction. Through immorality. Through all kinds of addictions from various kinds, through sickness, some people sickness has been such a such an oppression on people's lives. And I'm not just talking about physical sickness, but sometimes mental illness, and emotional uh, depression, and and, and 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 bitterness, and all kinds of stuff. But sin has reigned. Sin sin has been the reason for wars and rivers of war. It's been, it's been it has cursed this earth in many different ways. But as, as big as that is, as powerful as that seems, as oppressing as that seems, much more those who receive not just grace, but the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. It's a gift. You didn't earn it. And you can't earn grace, otherwise it's not grace. You can't earn grace. That's an oxymoron. You can't, have, you can't earn grace any more than you can have dry water or cold fire. You just can't have it. It doesn't exist. But it's abundance of grace, and it's a gift of righteousness, and if we will receive it, so we're not forced on it, and once it is not automatic, but if we will receive His grace and His gift of righteousness, we are destined to reign where? In life. Not just in the life to come, but in this life. Through the one Jesus Christ. We just talked about in Christ's realities for ten weeks. Ten hours of teaching on in Christ's realities. This righteousness, this grace is not because of what we do. It's because of Jesus. And if we will receive this grace, this righteousness, this Jesus, we will reign in life. The gospel that reveals righteousness is the power of God unto salvation. Because you receive this grace, because you receive this righteousness, because you receive Jesus, sickness should not reign over you. Lack should not reign over you. Poverty and any, any form of sin or addiction or, or anything should not reign over you. Jesus reigns. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, 
who brings good tidings of good, glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, and who declares and says, Desire, your God reigns. Church, you are destined to reign. And how do you reign? You receive Jesus, you receive his abundance of grace, you receive his gift of righteousness, and you shall reign. You are the head and not, not the tail. You are blessed and not beneath. You are above and not beneath. You are blessed and not cursed. I said that backwards. You will be the lender of many and the borrower of none. Church, we are being redeemed by his blood. We'll get into this in Revelation 5, 9, and 10. We've been redeemed by his blood to be kings and priests to reign on the earth. We have been destined to reign. We have been destined. We have been, we, we, the Spirit of the Lord is upon us, and we are here to set the captives free. We reign through Jesus Christ, our King. Am I making sense this morning? If I seem a little fired up, I'm, I'm just getting started. I, I want people to get this. I want people to be established in this. But we are destined to reign. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And we'll start, we'll pick it up in verse 10. We're talking about righteousness. We're talking about being established in righteousness. But this first section, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna finish even this first section today. But in this first section, I'm also I'm talking about being established in the unity of the faith. And I'm going to start going in that direction a little bit here. Okay? But I, I want to establish this unity of the faith as a, as, a, as a backdrop to what I want to talk about as we go further in our study about righteousness. Am I making sense so far? So, in, in other words, in this unity of the faith, there's one message. There's only one message. I know there's a lot of denominations out there. I know there's a lot of circles of thought and different doctrines. But there's one main message. And that's what I'm going at right now. Okay? And that's why we're, we're, pick, we're picking up here right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. Paul is speaking, and actually I'm going to uh, toggle to the, new, the, to the King James here. Because I like the language here a little better. And Paul says here, 1 Corinthians 1.10, I mean the King James, and Paul says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to stop right there just for a moment. Paul says, I beseech you in the name that is above all names. Paul is imploring us with the strongest language he can implore us without using profanity. <laughs> Am I making sense? Paul wants us to get something. He wants church. He's writing to the church. He's not writing to the world. He's writing to you. He's writing to us. Yes, he's writing to the Corinthians. But these letters were passed around. They were meant to be passed around. And they've been passed around even to you. Paul is beseeching you. And he's not just beseeching you. He's beseeching you in the name that is above all. He's beseeching you in the name of Jesus. And this is what he's beseeching us. That you all speak the same thing. And that there be no divisions among you. 
but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. We don't see that today. And at large. We see that in some circles. We see that with some people. But that's my heart for you. That's my heart in this church. That's my heart wherever I can be affected. That we would all speak the same thing. I don't want divisions. But I want to speak one message. I want to speak one thing. That Paul is beseeching us to speak. I want to be perfectly joined together. I'm all, anyone who knows me, I'm all about unity. I'm all about the body of Christ being joined together. But at the same point in time, I will not compromise this message. That makes sense. Can I make it sense? But I want to beseech us. I want to act like Paul's word. Let's all speak the same thing. Let's all be united. There's no, there's no room for fighting. There's no room for discord. There's no room for us being perfectly joined together. If we're there's discord, there's division, then we're not preaching the gospel. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? I'm not trying to I'm not trying to I'm not trying to imply anything here. Okay? Um, actually. Let's, let's jump down to verse 17. What is this one message that Paul preached? And Paul preached this, for Christ sent me not to baptize. But to preach what? The gospel. I want to read that again. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But to us who are saved, it is the power of God. We just read about that in Romans chapter 1. I want to preach the gospel. Paul is not here. I'm not here to preach anything else. We, we, I, we do talk about other topics, but based on the foundation of the gospel. Based on the foundation of the gospel. And that includes what the gospel reveals. And the gospel reveals righteousness. Am I making sense so far? Paul preached one message. And he preached the gospel. He preached the cross. He preached the finished work of the cross. He preached Jesus. Am I making sense? If we're going to preach one thing, if we're going to be unified, this is the one thing he's beseeching us to preach. One message and not be divided from this. Go with me to First Thessalonians chapter 3. Verse 10. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. And Paul saying here, night and day, pray to see me that we might see your, your face. Paul wanted to go see the church of Thessalonica. But this last phrase is what I want to get to. Is that, and my perfect that which is lacking in your faith. I want to toggle back to the New King James. Paul, what Paul is saying here, I want to come and actually, let me go back to where I was. I want to see my highlights there. Sorry about that. Also, 
I want to come, up, come and perfect that which is lacking in the faith. I just want to bring in those highlights, and I want to—I just want to emphasize that. You know, sometimes when we read this at first glance and we don't understand what he's saying, we can we can take offense to this and like, why is Paul perfecting that? that why is Paul perfecting that which is lacking in faith? You know, let me just say it this way: How we always have all of us always believed perfectly right. Have all of us uh, have all of us always been believing everything exactly right? Have you ever struggled in your faith? Has your faith ever become, in a sense, shipwrecked? Have you ever struggled in your faith? And I know if you're watching online, you might not be able to see the highlights. I get that, and it just the. Uh, the lighting here and whatnot. Just bear with me. But that last part of verse, verse 10 is, uh, is what I'm focused on. Paul wants to perfect that which is lacking in our faith. I just know this. If my faith is not where it needs to be, I want someone like Paul to come around and perfect that. I, I, I don't want to waste time believing the wrong thing. I don't want the wrong. I don't want my. I want my. I want my faith to be in Jesus. The, the righteous God is revealed from faith to faith, and the just will live by faith. The, not having faith in Jesus is my life is dependent upon it. Paul said, "I'm I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God." Philemon one six, and we'll get to these verses later. But Philemon one six says that the, the communication of faith becomes effectual as you acknowledge every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. And my heart in this message, my heart in this teaching, my heart in everything we do, from our Bible studies through the Bible classes we offer, everything we do in this church, everything we do in this ministry, my heart is to, to, to help you. My heart is to encourage you. My heart is to help perfect that which is lacking in your faith. I don't have all the answers, but I want to share what I got. And I need people to help perfect what's lacking my faith from time to time. I'm not here to rebuke, but all Scripture is possible. And all Scripture is inspired by God and is possible for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training, and righteousness. So the man of God might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm going to spend a lot of time on that passage that I just quoted from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6 and 17. But we need, to, we need to be reproved in righteousness. We need to be indoctrinated in righteousness. We need to be corrected and trained in righteousness. We need to perfect that which is lacking in our faith. And if it's not working, I mean, believe the word of God works. How we believe the gospel is the power of God? And if we're not seeing the power of God manifest in our life, it's not the word of God. Something needs to be perfected in our faith. Something that's lacking. I can't put my faith in Andrew. I can't put my faith in, in, in Joseph Prince, or Lawson Purdue, or Barry Bennett, or Arthur Minches, or Dwayne Sheriff, or any other pastors and ministers I like. I can't put my faith in myself. I can put my faith in one thing only. In Jesus Christ. The Word of God. I don't like formulas. The Word of God, I don't believe, is a formula. But sometimes we can use some things like memorizing verses and different things to church. And, and I can't put my faith in the church. I can't put my faith in the body of Christ. I love the body of Christ. We need to be united. I can't put my faith in, uh, in all these things. We have all these things, but they're some of these things are tools to remind us and to teach us 
the word of God so that we put our faith not in them or in the tool or in the formula, but in Jesus. I don't even know you can believe the, you can do the right thing the wrong way. I believe in going to church. I believe in fellowship. I believe in, in having devotions. I believe in, in different things. But don't trust what you're doing. Trust what you're reading. That makes sense? Don't trust the formula. Don't trust what you're doing. Trust, allow what you're doing to lead you to be reminded and to hear the word of God so you can put your trust in Jesus. I'm not trusting a certain pastor or ministry, but I'm trusting what they're preaching, what they're teaching, if it's Christ and his gospel. That makes sense? Praise God for them. Praise God for the fivefold ministry. Praise God for the body of Christ. Praise God for our parents who have godly parents. And, and, the, and the, thank God for our spouses and, and, and even our kids who may be teaching us how to, how to live godly and live righteously. But I'm not trusting them. I'm trusting God. And Paul is coming to perfect that which is lacking in their faith. And we need to all be students. Of it. We all need to be disciples. We all need to be tender and allow God to use people in our lives that are mean well and teaching well to perfect that which is lacking my faith. I don't have all the answers, and I'm, I, don't want to, I don't even want to pretend that I'm doing this perfectly all the time myself, but I want to help as a pastor to help perfect that which is lacking your faith. I don't want you to trust me. I want you to trust the one I point you to. Paul said it this way, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul wasn't the subject of this, the object of our faith, Jesus was. Christ is. But follow me as I follow Christ. Allow me to help you. Allow what we do, the Bible says, the Bible classes. But we want to perfect you what's lacking your faith. And your faith isn't me. Your, your faith needs to be perfected because it's in the wrong place. I can't help you outside of leading you to Christ. That make sense? Okay, there's a lot more I can say about that, but I just wanted to throw that in there. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 1. Again, we're talking about being established in righteousness. We're in the introduction. But I'm also talking about specifically being established in the unity of the faith. So I just dealt with faith a little bit here. And I dealt with, uh, there's one message, one gospel. But I'm talking about, there's one message. And there's one we need to have unity in, in one message here. And our faith needs to be perfected that we're trusting that one message and that one message alone, which is the gospel of Christ. And specifically, as we're talking about, being established in righteousness. Am I making sense? Again, Hebrews chapter 1. Pay attention to all my highlights here. Uh, um, we'll, we'll see that. If I need to, I'll point, I'll, I'll point you to that. But God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. So God has been speaking to us throughout the ancient, since the beginning. God has been speaking to us by the prophets throughout the Old Testament, throughout the entire. 
but has in these last days, how many believe we're in the last days, God has spoken to us by his son. God in the Old Testament spoke to us by the prophets. Moses was considered a prophet. David was considered a prophet. Others were considered prophets. And we'll get into some of that a little bit later in our study. We'll, we'll, we'll spend a little more time on that. A little bit later, I have a whole section for stuff like that. But has in these last days spoken to us by his son. God is speaking not only one message, but he's speaking it through one person, and that is Jesus, the living word of God. Again, the word, the word of God is not the ink. It's the person, and his name is Jesus. And God is speaking to us in these last days through Jesus Christ. Whom his son, whom God has appointed as heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. God made the worlds by his son. God is speaking by his son, and God has made the worlds by his son. Verse 3. Who? He's talking about Jesus, who's made the worlds. It's Jesus, who is speaking to us in these last days. Who, being in the brightness of God's glory, his glory, and the express image of his person. Jesus is the express image of God. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. Am I making sense so far? Now, this is where we're getting to. This Jesus, whom God is speaking to. This Jesus, who has made the world, the creator of the world. This Jesus, who is the express image of the Father. Is upholding all things by the word of his power. God, this Jesus, our Creator, our God, our Savior, our Lord, our King, is upholding everything He has created by the word of His power. God's word is power. Am I, are you following me so far? God's word is power. God is upholding everything He has created by His word. If God doesn't keep his word, everything God created would just turn into goo. I mean, your bodies, this universe, this planet, everything, everything that you're sitting on, if you're sitting, everything you're standing on, if you're standing, or if you're laying down, everything you're laying on, however your position right now, everything God created would just fall apart because he is holding everything, the sun, the moon, the stars, Everything he created by the word of his power. And not only is he holding everything by the word of his power, he is holding, holding everything by the word of his power when? Do you see that word? I have it highlighted, I have it underlined. I know you might not be able to see that online, but he has he is upholding everything when he has by himself purged our sins and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That is profound. God is not upholding, just upholding everything by the power of his word, although true. God is upholding everything by a very specific word. And that very specific word is when he purged our sins. Church, that is the gospel. God is not just upholding everything by the power of his word. God is upholding.
sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Are you getting that? There is one message. There is one gospel. There is one Jesus. And God is upholding everything by that message. That very specific message when he purged our sins. And when he purged our sins, what happened? We became righteous. His righteousness, his purging of our sins, is that word is what is upholding the universe together. All of the atoms, all the molecules, every DNA, everything is held together by his word. When he himself purged our sins and sat down at the right hand of God. Praise God. That's huge. Why else would we want to preach any other message? Why, by who else can we be saved? Am I making sense this morning? And we're just getting started. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah 55. We'll pick it up in verse 10. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Verse 11. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. How many of you know again, the word of God is not the ink. It's not even just a spoken word. Although all that's true, the word of God is a person. And his name is Jesus. Jesus, the word of God, came. He was sent by God. And he came, the word of God came. And it didn't, he, Jesus, the word of God did not come, and it did not return to him void. Jesus sat, sat, how many know that Jesus was born, he died, he was buried, he rose again, and then he, got, he ascended, and he sat down at the right hand of God. How many of you know that Jesus today is sitting at the right hand of God? Jesus did not return to the Father, sitting at the right hand of God, and boy, Jesus came to fulfill a purpose for why God sent him. And that was to die for you and me, so that we could have a right relationship with God. Jesus came, and he was came, he came to be born, he came to die, he came to rise again, so that we could be born again 
so that we could be right and have a right relationship with God. God created us for a relationship, but sin got in the way, and we couldn't have a relationship with God because of sin. We, but God, Jesus came to become sin, that we could become righteous, so we could have a relationship with God. And after Jesus finished the work, he goes back to the Father. Because just as the snow comes down from the just as the water of the earth and bring, brings it forth, just as the snow comes down, the rain and the snow comes down and, the, and, and does not return down, but waters the earth, so Jesus came to give us the word, to give us the gospel, to make it available so that we could be saved. We're going to spend a little more time with a little bit of this time to go further. That's powerful. Jesus finished the work. And now that we finished the work, we are righteous, and we will become established in who we are in Christ. Church, the gates of hell cannot prevail. We are kings, and we are priests, and we are destined to reign in this life. How beautiful are the mounds of the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who's bringing good tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation and declares to Zion, your God reigns. This is all making sense this morning. <clears throat> We've been talking about, briefly, just this one message. We're talking about the unity of the faith and, and, and prerequisite of talking about being established in righteousness. I want to talk about unity just for a second here. Unity in Andrew Womack, this is his definition of unity, and this is the way Andrew Womack says it. Uh, listen to this real good. Andrew says, Love is a bond of perfection that upholds that, that holds us together. I'm going to read that again. Love is a bond of perfection that holds us together. We are bonded together by doctrine. But we must have a shared foundation of doctrine to have true unity. Let me read that again. Love is a, the bound, bond of perfection that holds us together. You get that so far? Love holds us together. It binds us together. And we are bounded together by doctrine. What's doctrine? Doctrine is teaching. What we teach. What we believe. Okay, we all have doctrine. Even the atheists have some type of doctrine, some type of creed, some type of teaching they believe in. Okay? So we are bound together by love and we are bound together by doctrine. But we must have a shared foundation of doctrine to have true unity. Okay, we're going to spend a little time on that, that, that concept as we go forward. In other words, unity is not just coexisting. Unity is not tolerance of false doctrine. Paul talks a lot about that, especially in Timothy. Unity must share a common foundation. And what's that foundation? Actually, go with me real quick. I wasn't going to go here yet, but go to Psalm 89. Verse 14. It says, Righteousness and justice. Some of your translations will say righteousness and truth. 
but righteousness and justice, or righteousness and truth, are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face, and blessed people know the difference now. There's a lot of images that I'm talking different messages, but I'm, I, we're going to spend a little more time on this topic that I'm talking about right now, and especially the, the second section of this, this series. But righteousness is a foundation. How many of you know if you build a house or you build a, <laughs> a structure, the foundation is essential? In any relationship, in any business, in any um, a building, foundation is essential. You can change the cosmetics, you can change different things, but the foundation has to be good. And if we don't, and when we're talking about unity, you heard just briefly for a moment, if we're going to be unified, we have to have a common foundation. If the foundation is not established, it's, it's impossible to have true unity. Unity is not just coexisting. And it's not just tolerance. Unity is having the same foundation. You know, it's hard to talk to somebody about Christ if they don't even believe the Word of God. They might not understand it all, and we, we can teach that. But they don't even want to listen. If they don't even consider this being God's Word, it's hard to even start. There's no foundation. There's nothing to go with. If we don't you know, in this church, and anything we do in this church, if we don't agree on what righteousness is, then we don't agree. Because, I'm not saying that to hurt anybody, I'm not saying that to be disunified, or divided, or discord, but that's our foundation. And we're going to spend a little more time on this. Uh, I, I don't know if we'll get to it this week, but hopefully by next week we'll get to it. Uh, but the, the foundation is essential. Uh, and so, but we need to have that unity. Go with me now to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1, we'll pick it up verse 14. Now, I love the book of Ephesians. It's actually probably one of my favorite books. Paul, in the first three chapters, is talking a lot about who we are in Christ. And the latter part of the, 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 the book, he's talking about how we walk that out. We need to know who we are. And once we know who we are, we need to walk that out. We need to live it out. We need to be who we are. Okay? Um, but also in Ephesians, there's two main prayers that Paul prays here. And when he's praying, not only is he praying, but I'm also hearing his heart. Paul, the apostle of grace as we know him, is pouring out this. He wants us to get something. He wants us to understand something. He wants us to comprehend something. And so, therefore, I would like, I love paying attention to this because Paul, he wants us to get it. And there's something he wants us to get. And he, this is what he's praying. And I'm going to pick it up right here in verse 14. But, uh, actually, uh, I'll pick it up verse 15. Therefore, I, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Corinth. So he's going to be praying here. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation where? 
in the knowledge of him. There's a lot here. I'm not going to break up this whole passage of scripture. I'm sorry, I'm moving on this side real quick. Uh, you need to move the camera, I don't know. But that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Paul wants us to get, he, he, wants, he wants us to get the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And where is that? Whatever that is, it's in the knowledge of him. We need to know him. We need to know Jesus Christ. This is his prayer. Paul's praying that we get the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. I can teach you the gospel. I can teach you righteousness. I can teach you a lot of different things. But my prayer for you is that you get a revelation of it. I can't give you a revelation. I can teach you. I can set the atmosphere for it. I can point you in that direction. I can, uh, But you, by the spirit of God, has to give. It has to be quickened in your own heart. <clears throat> and your attitude has a lot to do with it. It's not the only part, but I'm praying my prayers that by the Spirit of God, you will get this. You will get what I'm trying to teach. And, and it's not just revelation, but it's wisdom. It's the wisdom of God. He goes on, that the eyes of your understanding, I want you to understand this. I don't care if you understand me, but I want you to understand the gospel. Being enlightened. I want the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. I want you to understand it. I want you to be quickened. I want you to go, wow, I get it. And that's done by the Spirit of God. Paul, Jesus said to Peter, this has not been revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by the Spirit of God. When he said, you are the Christ. I want you to get it. Like, that you may know. Why do I want you to be enlightened? Now, why do I want you to understand it? Why do I want you to have the revelation spirit wisdom? So that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the same? I want you to know it. I want you to comprehend it. You can't live it. You can't use it. You can't exercise it. You can't benefit from it. If you don't even know you got it. I want you to give it. I mean, inheritance in the saints. I love how Lawson points this out. God has invested into you. God has invested himself. God has invested all heaven. His fullness. God has invested himself into you. For you. God has invested. You know, a smart businessman doesn't make poor investments. How many know that God has invested something? He didn't make a wrong choice. And he didn't, he didn't make a poor investment. God has invested in you. But you need the spirit of wisdom. You need revelation. You need understanding. You need your eyes to be enlightened so you can know the hope of his calling. And his inheritance that is in you. The saints. It's not just you and it's not just you, but it's us, the saints. It doesn't, uh, it's not inclusive to you, but it doesn't exclude you. That makes sense? We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But that includes you, but that doesn't exclude you, and it's not inclusive just for you. That makes sense? So he wants another inheritance of the saints. And what is 
enlightened to it. You need the spirit of wisdom so that you can know that your inheritance and there's an and conjunction and. You ever see those commercials? And there's more. It's and. It's not just A, B, or C. It's all of the above. God wants you to understand the exceeding greatness of power towards us who what? Believe. We talked about it already. Romans chapter 1. This power of God is unto salvation is available to all who believe. You need to know it. And you need to know it and you need to believe it. Some of us know it. <coughs> Some of us know it doctrinally. We know it theologically. We can quote scripture. But we don't believe it. That makes sense? There's some of us we know it intellectually, but we don't believe it. And until you know it and believe it, it won't work. It won't turn on. It won't manifest. But you can't believe something you don't know. But once you know it, you need to believe it. For the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. For the just shall live by his faith. I am not ashamed that I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but the life I live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he, this power, this everything he's talking about, he worked it in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also that which is to come. There is no name. There is no power. There is no authority. There is no sickness. There is no government. There is no power that is more powerful than Jesus. Than this power that God worked and put Jesus when he raised him from the dead. And you were crucified with Christ. You were buried with Christ. And you haven't raised with Christ. And it says in Romans chapter 4 verse 25 that he was raised for our justification. He was raised for our righteousness. He went to the cross, and this power of God, this power of righteousness, this power of the gospel is in you if you are in Christ Jesus. And you are in Christ. This power is available. This power that created all things, this power that holds all things together is in you. And, this, and we will be unified, and we will preach one message by the gospel of Jesus Christ. We will preach one message, the righteousness of God by faith. Am I making sense? If you will receive this abundance of grace and this gift of righteousness, you are destined to reign in life. You have the power. You have, if you have Jesus, you have everything you need to do what God has called you to do. You have everything you need to be who God has called you to be. You have everything you do to go what God has called you to do. Nothing is holding you back except you knowing and believing the gospel. You have a destiny. You have a purpose. And, and you won't find that destiny and purpose. You can't live that destiny and purpose outside of knowing Jesus. And that he's the power of God. Am I making sense? I'm talking about righteousness. 
as his introductory. But I'm talking about there's one message. I'm talking about there being unified. And my heart is that we not only know this, but we become unified as a church and as a body of Christ, both locally and at large. We become unified in preaching one message. One gospel. One Jesus. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. Preaching myself happy today. Got a few more minutes. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. Pick up verse 14. This is Paul's second prayer in Ephesians. It's still in the same context, really, if you read the, the book. Ephesians chapter 3. Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with what might through his spirit in the inner man. That sounds a lot like the prayer we just read. That Christ may dwell in your hearts, what? Through Faith. The righteous God is revealed from faith to faith, for the just shall live by what? His faith. We've been talking a lot about faith already this morning. That you being rooted and grounded in love. It says in Galatians 5, 6, that faith works by love. Your faith won't work until you know it's love. We're going to spend a whole section talking about love, which will, will be connected to faith. But he wants us to be established. He wants us to be rooted in love. We're going to talk a lot about that. What is love? And real short. Love, this is love, he says in 1 John 4, 10. This is love, not that you love him, but that he loves you and became your propitiation. That's love. Love became your propitiation. He became your righteousness. And when you are rooted in his love, when you are rooted in his propitiation, his love, verse 18, may be able to comprehend. See, you won't be able to comprehend with all these things until you are grounded in the love. Until your, your heart is grounded in faith. But remember, we're talking about unity. We're talking about the unity of the faith. I, got, I haven't got to my key scripture on this yet, but I'm going there. We may be able to comprehend with all the saints. That's unity. What is the width and the length and the depth and the height, the full dimension of God's love? And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you <coughs> may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is deep. This is one of my favorite verses in the scripture. Outside of a few others. But to know the love of Christ. Paul, Jesus, God wants you to know the love of Christ. And it's this love of Christ that passes knowledge. There's an intellectual knowledge. But the love of Christ surpasses that. There's no way for you to comprehend all of it. But we're here to perfect that which is lacking in your faith. We're here to teach you the gospel. We're here to point you to know, to begin to know the, the height, the depth, the width, the fullness of God's love. Like I said, we're going to spend a whole section on this love. Some people tell me, I know, Pastor Dave, I know about the love of God. The, the fact that they told me that, the way they told me that, with the attitude and the connotation they told me that, they don't know it at all. They don't know it yet. You can't know the love of God and have that attitude. Better than having a potato chip, and when you have a potato chip, you can't just have one. Even if you restrain yourself, you want more. 
That make sense? Even if you have temperance and self-control, I'm just going to have one and you stick to your guns and do that, you still want some more. You know, you can't go to love God and say, I don't need to know any more about it. No! You're going to spend all eternity getting to know the, the fullness of God's love and you won't know then. To the fullest, we're going from glory to glory, from faith to faith. But he wants you to know. He wants you to experience the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled. I love the Amplified. It says that you may be filled, overflowing with God Himself. He already says in John chapter one, verse fourteen, I think it is. But John chapter one says that of His fullness we have received. But when we know His love, we will be filled, overflowing with God Himself. Church, you can't get more powerful than that. There's nothing in this world, there's nothing in this universe that is more precious than being filled with the very fullness of God. If you need healing, you have the healer. If you need provision, you have the provider. If you need wisdom, you got the God of all wisdom. Whatever you need, he's the desire of all nations, and you're filled with God himself, his fullness. And when you're filled with the fullness of God, he is not holding anything back. <coughs> I can't express this loud enough. I can't express this with any more energy. I don't have it in me. But like Paul, I want you to get this. By the Spirit of God, I want you to understand this. That when you know his love, his propitiation, what he's done for you on the cross, the life that we live, we live by the love of God that died and gave himself for us. When we understand this, when we know his love that surpasses just intellectual knowledge, we will be filled overflowing with God himself. And now to him who is able, not, not could be able, not wants to be able, but is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to, according to the power that is at work in us. What power? Well, he just said the in chapter 1, his first prayer, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in you. He also just said uh, in the preceding verse that he's filled you with his fullness. You can't get more powerful than the fullness of God. And God's not just in you taking a vacation. God is in you at work. He's alive. And the only way that God can be in you the only way that God can, because he who knew no sin became sin for you, that you can become right with God. You could not have no relationship with God. God can't fill you. Yes, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yes, you've been bought with a price. But God can't dwell in an unholy vessel. God cannot dwell in a vessel that he has not declared righteous and sanctified and redeemed. And he has redeemed you by his blood. The gospel reveals you are righteous. You are sanctified. You are redeemed so that God can fill you with his fullness. So that God can be in you, his body, his church. The people of God against all principalities and power that he can do abundantly, abundantly above all that you ask or think according to his fullness, his power, his righteousness. That is our work in you. I'm just a little excited this morning. I love this message. And everything we're doing is to 
teach this, to get you to understand this so that you can walk in it. That's my heart. That's my prayer. I don't feel like even as much as I'm trying to express it, I'm expressing it now. But I want to shout this from the rooftops. I want to grow this ministry. I see us in the church building this year. I do different things that we can share this to the world. It's not about promoting me. It's about promoting Jesus and his gospel and what God has done for you so that you can live in it and you can walk in it and you can change the world. Amen. I got five minutes. I'm not going to have time to finish this, but I want to just at least introduce you to where I'm going with this unity of the faith as we kind of bring this section to almost a close. But go read Ephesians chapter 4. Same book, chapter 4. And we'll pick up verse 11. Actually, I want to back up to verse 8 just for a moment. And therefore, same chapter, same book. This is right after the two prayers we just prayed. Paul makes these statements. Therefore, he says, and he's quoting from the Old Testament, where he says, And when he ascended on high, he led Kathy captive and gave gifts to men. And then he says something here, verse 9 and 10, that is actually in parentheses. I'm not going to focus on the parentheses right now. Okay, just for sake of time. Okay? All right? So then he picks up verse 11. So he just said something about gifts to men. He has, a, uh, he has a, something he's saying here in parentheses. And then in verse 11, he says, And he himself, God himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. The fivefold ministries, myself included, and others like me, we are gifts to the church. We are not gifts to ourselves. We are gifts to you. Does that make sense? Our function is not to, to, to build our own ministry, our own kingdom, our own dynasty. Our gift is to serve you. But what are we, how are we serving you? We are serving you for, and notice with me, I should have this highlighted, but this phrase for the is three times in this one verse. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Our job, whether we are apostle, prophet, a missionary, a pastor, teacher, is in our gift to you, however that, 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 that office is function, our gift to you is to equip you, the saints, for the work of the ministry. We'll spend more time on this as we go forward. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Our job is to equip you to minister to one another. That makes sense? We'll spend a little more time on that as we go forward. Well, we're here to minister to one another. Till, this is the phrase I'm trying to get to, and everything I've talked so far this morning, and I'm just about out of time, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. That's what we just read about in chapter 1. And kind of that, to a perfect man, we've been talking about perfecting our faith, to the measure of of the stature of the fullness we just write about that, of Christ. We want to all come to the unity of the faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There's a lot there 
I don't have time. I'm out of time to unpack all that right now. But we want you to be, all come. I don't care how old you are, what gene you are, uh, or, or where your background is. We all came from sin. We all have issues in our background. Some different, some worse than others. But we all want to come. I don't care what you've done, whatever. Jesus has paid for it. And Jesus is here to make you whole. And he wants you to get the spirit of wisdom and understanding and the knowledge of him so that we all, not just me, not just a few, but all come to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, and to a perfect man, and to the measure, the, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children, tossed to a foe, carried off by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of man and cunning craftiness, human folly. But speaking the truth of love, may grow up in all things into him who is the Christ. I want you to grow up into him in all things. I don't want you to be like a child. I love children. But children can be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Children, I'll explain this more thoroughly as we go forward. But children are awesome, but children can be very gullible. That they trust you, they will listen to you. And you can teach them anything. You can brainwash kids. We don't want to brainwash anybody. But some people have been brainwashed and we need, they need to be, their minds need to be renewed. Am I making sense? Children are also codependent. And there's a season for that. Children can't fix their own meals. They can't take care of themselves. As they grow up and mature, they can. And they can hopefully take care of others and their own kids someday. But we, there's a time where we need to be somewhat codependent on the body of Christ to a certain level. But we grow up so that we're not codependent on them. That makes sense. Uh, and third, children can't be reproductive. A child cannot is not designed to have a baby. But we grow up, we mature, so that we can reproduce and so we can multiply. Well, we'll get into some other teachings that will expound on even that. that. Am I making sense? But we can't multiply. We can't. But we're going to be gullible. We're going to be tossed by every wind of doctrine. And there's a lot of doctrines out there. There's a lot of different gospels out there. Uh, there's a lot of different Jesuses out there in a sense. But we want to preach, we want to perfect that which is lacking in faith. We want to bring you good news that proclaims peace, that proclaims salvation. We want to bring the good news, the gospel, that's the power of God, that it reveals the righteousness of God. We want to reveal this. We want you to understand it. We want the eyes of your hearts to be under, enlightened, that you know the hope of this calling. And everything that God has for you, so you can walk it, you can live it, and you can change our world. There's so much we want to, but we need to know it, we need to be established in it, and we need to walk in it. But the title of this message is about being established in righteousness. The first section of this is about being established in the unity of the faith. There's one message, and that's the gospel. And that gospel reveals something that we're going to get into, being established in righteousness. But we need to preach one message. And if the message you're hearing, and where you're at, where you're fellowshipping, is not preaching one message. I'm not against anybody, I'm not against any churches, but I encourage you to reconsider and get under good teaching. Time is short, not just for us. But if we're in Christ, we have Jesus. But there's people who don't have Jesus. There are people who are not experiencing the fullness that God has ordained for them in Christ. And we're here to heal the sick, raise the dead, and, and, and cast out demons. We're here to set the captives free. We're here to, to bring salvation with Jesus to people. We're here to do that. I, I, everything we're doing here in this church, everything we're doing, everything we offer, and we want to offer more, but we are doing it so we can help equip you and get you established in righteousness and who you are in Christ. 
not just so we feel good, not just to put money in the plate. You know, we need all those things to do what God's called us to do. But God's our source, not you. And uh, we, we trust that. And, and, uh, and hopefully you heard my heart. But my heart is to preach this message. I told God if I could get me back in ministry, this is what I preach. We're here. We've been doing. We've been trying to be faithful. The little I know he's going to give us charge of them all. We're not trying to gloat. We're not trying to boost our own arm. We're not trying to preach the gospel. And I, I don't know why I'm sharing everything I'm going to share right now, but I'm just pouring out my heart. I want you to get this. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. If you're watching this on Bible class by a later date, thank you. More to come. We're going to build on this. We're going to build on this. My heart that you become established in this. Lord, we just thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. Lord, we're just beginning. We're just in the introduction. But Lord, I pray over the next few weeks, over the next few lessons, everyone who's listening, I pray that you give them a heart to hear and understand your word. Help me to communicate. Help me to teach this. Lord, I pray that we become established in your righteousness. Thank you. We bless you. God bless you. Amen and amen. Have a good day. Good week. See you tonight at 6 o'clock. All right. God bless you.